<laughs> Thanks be to God. All right, guys, we're talking about racism this week. How many of you guys uh, heard of the Charleston shooting? If you didn't, I'd be really sad. Um, somebody tell me what happened. Confederate? The Confederates invaded. <laughs> what happened? What happened? Hey, Alice? What happened? What happened in the Charleston shooting? Somebody tell me. A guy shot people. So what was the problem? It was a hate crime. What kind of hate? Racism. It wasn't church? It wasn't religion? Bible study. But was it a hate? I mean, was it a religious? It was race motivated, right? The, guy, the kid was a uh, um, 21-year-old, right? Comes in and he shoots all these people. Uh, a little kid survived by pretending to be dead, right? Uh, one of the pe- persons that was shot was the pastor. Pastor Hong had mentioned it if you were an EM. What about um, Missouri and Baltimore? What was going on there? Yeah, rioting, right? For what? Police brutality, right? And they played it off as what? Racism, right? So the thing is, is racism an issue in our society? How many of you guys in here have experienced racism personally? Somebody has treated you differently because of your race. Like made fun of you. When I was a kid, man, everyone said ching chong to me. I'd fight kids all the time. And I would lose a lot, but I'd win some, and those days were good days. Right? So is racism a big deal? Absolutely. Now, we say, right, that racism is a thing of the past, right? Slavery was abolished years ago. Jim Crow laws, remember, with the Civil Rights Movement, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, all those guys. That was in the 70s, 60s and 70s. Right? So we say racism is in the past, but South Carolina still flies the Confederate flag. Do you guys know what the Confederate flag is? That's what all that hubbub is about. Right? Right. The South will rise again. Right? And people are in this debate about heritage versus hate, saying that the, the, the Confederate flag represents hate, while others say it, it represents heritage. And how many of your Facebooks are blowing up? Because of rhetoric like this, like stuff that's just going, everyone's talking about it, and everyone has a personal opinion, and it's not really racism, and others people are like, shut up. <laughs> and they're like, it's racism, and the other guy's like, shut up. Like, there's nobody intelligent on Facebook, it seems like. Everyone is just spouting off beliefs. One of my friends, who says he's a Christian, but I don't believe that he is, he doesn't live like a Christian, um, he posts on Facebook a picture of sheep. He says, y'all are just like sheep. You're just following what everybody else, you're not using your brains. Right? And he was referring to racism. He was also referring to the South, Carol- uh, the South Carolina, the Supreme Court ruling about homosexuality, gay marriage, right? And he just, he, he just said that. And of course, there was like this huge firestorm of like comments, people saying this and that. Sam Ock, did, you, did anybody read Sam Ock's comment about the homosexuality thing? He was just basically saying, you know, like, uh, I, I want to respect and love homosexuals or LGBT community, but I do believe that the Bible says it's wrong. And then people are just blowing up his Facebook. Some are like, yeah, right on, Bible, yay. And others are like, I used to love your music, but you lost a fan. <laughs> and Sam Ock, every time Sam Ock responded, is, and if you don't know who Sam Ock is, he's, the, he's one of the band members for AMP, the, rap, the Christian rap group. And he, sa- he, he says, I respectfully respect your respectful opinion or something. Like he just keeps <laughs> using the word respect. Like that's how he, he responds. Like there's just this craziness that's happening. And so the idea is, What do we do about it? 
Some, of, some churches, they just put their head in the sand. And they're just like, you know, I'm not going to deal. I'm not going to try to bring it up because it's going to alienate uh, people. Racism is very polarizing, especially the Confederate flag thing, because there's people on both sides of the issues, Christians and non, it doesn't matter. So they just avoid it. But the thought I have is that we were born, like in Esther, we were born for such a time as this. We were born for such a time as this. Some people are freaking out about the Supreme Court decision, about LGBT. Some of you guys support LGBT. Some, some of you guys don't support LGBT. Some, some of you guys feel really bad about both positions, so you just don't say anything. And everyone is just like, oh, no, the world is coming to an end. Everyone's falling apart. This is the world's No, 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 no. That is not our posture as the church. We have no time for that nonsense. If you hear somebody like that that says they're a Christian, rebuke them. Rebuke them. In a loving way, like, no, that's not right. We were born for such a time as this to actually do something. I said in the EM that I really wished my, my father-in-law, Raylan's uh, dad, um, I only have one wife, so that father-in-law, um, he, he was born in the 70s, or he, was, uh, he was, uh, became a Christian in the 70s. Do you guys know what the Jesus movement is, the Jesus people movement? I told you guys a little bit about people were just getting saved all the time. And it wasn't really because anything was, was happening. Like there wasn't this concerted effort of evangelism or that. Just the Holy Spirit was moving across the United States. And I told you in California, like surfer chicks, like in bikinis, like straight up bikinis, guys in surfboard shorts, right? They would walk into church on Sunday morning in right off the beach. They're sandy and wet. Girls in bikinis. This is not like a party. Like they come into church, like conservative, like Baptist church, and they'll walk into the church and then they'll bow down before the altar and then they'll say, hey, I need Jesus. Like things like that were happening and I hear those stories. I'm like, oh man, I missed it. Like people on the street just getting saved. You're passing out tracks. like, I want to follow Jesus. They fall on their knees and they repent. I'm like, I missed it. Now I just have like people that are afraid. But we are not. We didn't miss it. We just have to have this perspective change. We have this amazing opportunity to shift the way the world thinks, especially our society, the way your schools think. Now, you will be persecuted. There was a student that came to me yesterday talking about how her friends are like really treating her differently because of the choices that she's made. They asked her to go to the gay pride parade, and she said she, she doesn't support it. And she's starting to get judged. You know, people are starting to treat her differently. That's going to happen to you. Right? But this opportunity that we have to represent Christ in such a way that it actually makes a difference. That we're not just sitting in pews, warming pews. So I'm doing a series this month. Um, it's called Things That the Church Doesn't Talk About But Should. And we're going to talk about really weird things like racism. Like, what do we do about race? What should, what's our response? What does Jesus say about race? That's what today's about. Next week, we're going to talk about LGBT. What do we do about the Supreme Court ruling? Right? And I hope, I hope, uh, what I try to do is I try to read a lot about a lot of different, different opinions. And then I look at the scripture and then I say, you know what, this is what I think scripture is really saying. Because I think there's a lot of crazy people out there. And they all write and blog and, and speak and YouTube and Facebook post. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't it's not that I don't I ignore them, but I just try to take what they have to say and I, I kind of compare it to scripture. So I'm going to try to bring a balanced view. Now this is the deal. As we talk about all these things, you will disagree with me. Some of you will disagree with me. If you just blindly agree with me, we have a problem. Don't do that. Don't just be like, oh, I trust Howard. So I'm not going to engage my brain. I'm just going to accept everything he says, like I'm serving you a gourmet meal. No, you cannot do that. I am not homosexual. I have a wife and I have five kids, right? But I read a lot on homosexuality, and it's not because I'm a pastor. 
It's because we have no choice in this day and age to engage, to figure out what we're supposed to do, what the church should do or not do. If you are a Christian here, I'm calling you to go beyond what everyone else does in the church, pew sits and just kind of receives from the pastor. I just finished a book last night. It's called Washed and Waiting. It's, about, it's, a, it's by a guy named Wes Hill. He's a Christian. He loves Jesus, but he has same-sex attraction. He's not living in, in sexual immorality. He's not having sex with partners. He's a virgin. And he's wrestling with being lonely for the rest of his life because he wants somebody to love. Sounds like a song. It is a song. <laughs> he wants somebody to love. Think about homosexuals. You, you have to engage. If you don't have homosexual friends and you don't talk about these issues, you should. Hey, what do you think about the church? I mean, you might get an earful, but that's okay. And don't, don't take it as an offense. You're not the whole church, you know? Like a lot of crazy people do crazy things. Westboro Baptist Church. I watched this video um, of uh, a guy named Russell Brand. Do you guys know him, the comedian? The, you know, right? And he brought people from Westboro Baptist Church onto a show, two guys, not kidding. And he was interviewing them about what their beliefs are. And they handed him a sign that said, um, fag, pimp, brand. They called him a fag pimp. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, Russ Wren is really funny. And he's not, he wasn't insulting. He was actually really gracious. He's like, so explain to me what a fag pimp is. And they explained to him, this is what we think you do. You propagate your beliefs through comedy so that the masses will take what you have to say. And, and, they, and then they started talking about love. And Westboro Baptist Church was, was absolutely um, believing that they were operating in love by calling people fags. And God hates fags. God hates you. Uh, God sent the shooter. shooter. Did you guys see that? Uh, the Charleston shooting? They had signs with blood on it and said, well, like pictures of blood or whatever. And it said, God sent the shooter. And when, they, when you would ask them about it, it would be, they would be like, well, this is love. We, we love you so much that we want to tell you the truth. This is the day and age we live in. You cannot just sit on the sideline and be like, oh, yeah, people are crazy. Because that's what a lot of people are doing. The racism issue, a lot of people aren't engaging. They're like, well, racism doesn't really exist. When I was growing up, uh, you guys ever heard of Rodney King? Um, Rodney, the Rodney King riots shifted the way Koreans look at black people forever in the United States. In the Rodney King riots, there was a, a man, police brutality, the police got around him and beat him, he was a black man, right? And people started to riot all over LA, and the primary, not all over, but the primary area where they were rioting, where there was a bunch of Korean businesses. And you know the riots, you saw those pictures, those were all, a lot of those were Korean businesses. And so Koreans, uh, not knowing what is going on or probably really understanding the cultural um, fire, I guess, that they were in the midst of, they just thought that black people hated Koreans. And the newspaper said stuff like that. And so all of a sudden, Koreans became very, very suspicious of black people. Not all of a sudden. There's always been racism, but, but even more particularly when it's not the case. So if you're Asian, you think it's not touching you. It is. Apartheid in South Africa, Mandela, you guys know what that was? In South Africa, they made rules. It was like Jim Crow, where there was complete and total segregation. And Africans, um, and they're not Americans, Africans are, uh, were treated lesser than the white people. And it was called apartheid. And Mandela became the first black 
uh, president of South Africa, but they put him in prison for years and years and years. And you know what he did in prison? This is crazy. If you want to read a good book, Invictus is a good book. Um, playing the game, or I don't remember where, but it's look, look up Invictus and look for the book. And basically, it's the, that, that movie. But what Mandela did was while he was in prison, um, he started to lear, uh, learn um, uh, Boer, the Boer language, so that he can com uh, communicate better to his captives. He wanted to continue to bring that communication, that conversation together, and start talking to them and start winning the people. The Tutsi versus the Hutu, you guys remember that? In Hotel, have you guys watched Hotel Rwanda? That's another good movie you should watch. If you want to watch a movie about race, uh, Hotel Rwanda is a really good one. Uh, Schindler's List, of course. Uh, Life is Beautiful is an Italian movie, and it's, uh, it's all in subtitles, but my wife and I, we bawled, like we bawled our eyes out. But that was about the, the Holocaust and the concentration camps. Uh, but it's really actually a comedy. It's kind of weird. It's like a comedy, dark, it's like a dark comedy, but it, it's really moving. Life is beautiful. Look it up. I own it, and you guys can watch it if you guys want to. Um, but the Tutsi and the Hutu, um, they slaughtered each other. Did you know that uh, it was around five, they, they say 500,000, so half a million to a million people died in that genocide. And if you look at uh, Hutu and Tutsi together, like side by side, they look the same. It's hard to tell them apart. They weren't like white and black. Half a million to a million people. Slaughtered by, uh, slaughter, uh, the Tutsi were the, uh, um, the minority, and the majority Hutu slaughtered them. 20 they killed 20% of the country. So the entire population of the country, 20% was reduced. And 70% of the Tutsi living in Rwanda, 70% of all Tutsi were killed. So let's talk about racism. What is racism? Anybody have a working definition? Because a lot of people, I think, are really confused about what racism actually is. People will say, oh, that's racist, that's racist, that's racist, right? So what is ra racism? Racism is dehumanization, the dehumanization uh, of another person and another group of people. We do it all the time. We make the other race lesser. And just to call out my own people, Koreans are very rare, can be very, very racist. And the, the one thing that's, I think, redeeming about Korean racism is that they're racist against everybody. They think they're better than everybody. So it's not like they just hate black people, they hate everybody, right? They think, oh, those poor people, we're way better than them, right? Thus, if you're Korean and you don't speak Korean, that's the, the, the thing is, oh, you're Korean, you should speak Korean because we're the best. You should try to be as Korean as possible because we're the best. I mean, that's kind of like the mentality, right? The other problem is a lot of people are racist and they don't even realize that they're racist, right? And I'm not white, but like if you're Anglo, that, that seems to be the, the case on Facebook. Everyone's arguing there's no such thing as racism. But that's just not the case. People are oftentimes racist when it comes to um, uh, little things, the things that they say. Uh, one, one TED talk that I saw, uh, there was this woman, who, a black woman, who came up and she spoke, and she's educated, and she was articulate, and it was awesome, right? And then <laughs> she comes off the stage, and some old white lady comes up to her saying, you, you're so articulate. Like, she was surprised. Like, black people aren't articulate, and you're so articulate. That's what it was like. And she was, like, like trying to hold her tongue and all that, you know, being gracious. But there's this, this, this stereotyping that we do, that like, oh, all of you people aren't, you know. Um, another thing that you hear a lot of times, I will never let my my son or daughter, my child, marry so-and-so, so-and-so race. It's predominant. 
And this is the thing, like, we're just like, okay, we're not racist, but when it comes to my kids, you kind of see what the real heart is, right? My, my own dad, and I'm ashamed to say this, but when my, my wife and I were engaged, we went to Ohio to go visit my dad, and he didn't know we were coming. Or he knew we were coming, but he didn't know that I was going to bring my wife, uh, my, my, my fiance at the time. And we knocked on the door, and he wouldn't let us in because my wife was white. And she's like half white. She's half white, half Latino. That's why she's so spicy. <laughs> but my, my dad wouldn't let, him in, uh, let her in. And my wife, I remember my wife and I were just sitting in the car. I was angry because I'm a dude. And my wife was just heartbroken. She was just crying and crying and crying and crying. She went home. We were staying at a friend's house because of a wedding we were going to. And she just cried and cried and cried. My dad was racist. And all of a sudden, when we start popping out babies, he wants to see the babies. But, so maybe he's less racist because of babies. But it's just the way it is, man. And it's not okay. You get what I'm saying? So... Blocks to seeing racism clearly. Predominant culture privilege. This is a big one. Now, that sounds complicated. Predominant meaning the majority, right? Culture, predominant culture. So this is America. So um, we think that the predominant culture in America is white. Okay, let's just say white. And then privilege. So they have privileges that others, other minorities don't have. That's predominant culture privilege. Now, if you are a part of the predominant culture, you think that everyone else right, has the same privileges as you do, but you don't, but they don't, right, because of racism. So you, you have an Asian that walks, okay, this is what happened to me, right, so I, uh, I'm a worship leader, right, before I came to, y, uh, uh, to church, I did, y, uh, I did YWAM, and I led worship all over the place, and I remember specifically talking to certain people at certain venues, right, that I would come and go to the front, and I would prepare to lead worship, and people told me that they were afraid, they started to groan inwardly because I was Asian. And so they thought I wasn't gonna be a good worship leader. In fact, they didn't think I could speak English. Because I didn't have facial hair then, so it's just, I just looked like a normal Asian guy. I had glasses too. I'm like, hey guys, you know, that's it, that's it. I had my guitar strap like really up here, so I was like playing this, you know? And they were groaning inwardly because they thought I couldn't speak English and they thought I was gonna lead worship and it was gonna be terrible, terrible. Right? And so there is, there, there is like blocks that happen to you if you are not the predominant culture. You have to recognize that too. And the other thing that blocks uh, seeing racism clearly is that we're drawn towards homogenous groups. We're like, hey, I'm not racist, but... And you look at all your friends and they're all like, you're the same as you. And I've heard you guys say it, like, I'm just not comfortable with white people. Right? <laughs> Everyone's like, nope, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. You want people with Asian, a Asian-ness or, you know, I have black friends that are like that and I have white friends that are like that. Like, I just, it's not comfortable or unless they really act like you. And then like, you know, for me, people like in Korean churches have treated me differently because they're like, I'm a banana. I'm like yellow on the outside, but I'm white on the inside. You think it's funny, but I'm crying inside. <laughs> Because I have, like, no Asian-ness in me. My wife is way more Asian than I am. She's, like, all eating, like, Korean food. And I'm just like, can we go get some sandwiches or something, you know? Like, there's racism there, too. You know what I'm saying? All right, so let's look at Scripture. And this is going to be kind of a hard, 
a hard sell because this is probably not what you normally hear about racism, okay? Because the, the deal is this. I can't deal with racism as a society. I can't fix society's racism, but I can, we can work on our racism here. We can work on our racism in the church, right? So look at the passage. He says, he said to them, you are well aware that it's against the law, our law, for a Jew to associate with, a, with, a vis with or visit a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Now this is the deal. Jew and Gentile. Anybody know what a Gentile is? A non-Jew. Anyone that is not Jew. So there's Jewish people and there's everyone else. So we're all Gentiles. Welcome. Welcome, Gentiles. I hope you feel welcome. We're one. We're not, you guys aren't different races. There's no black people, white people, Asians in here. We're all just Gentiles. All right? Now this is the deal. So Peter is talking to a group of Gentiles. All right? And he says to them, hey, you guys know that we're not supposed to talk to you people. Now, this is not a big deal because Jew and Gentile doesn't mean much to us, but let's switch. Peter's a white guy, and the Gentiles, they're all black guys. He's like, hey, you know I'm not supposed to be talking to you people because God has shown me, uh, because God said that you guys are unclean. What would happen? Guns. <laughs> You're racist. <laughs> black people have guns. Right. But maybe in this time, they'd pick up stones. They'd be like, you know. <laughs> deadlifting stones. Like. This is a big deal. Peter is standing in front of a, a group of black guys. He's a white guy, right? And he's saying, hey, you know I'm not supposed to hang out with you people because you guys are unclean. But God has shown me that you guys aren't unclean. <laughs> Hugs. Right? It's nuts. But we just read the Bible like, oh, that's interesting. You know, we keep going. This is a big deal what Peter is doing. But to Peter, there is an epic switch because the Bible does say in the Old Testament that the Jews were not supposed to associate with Gentiles. Why? Is it because of race? Somebody tell me. Why were the Jews not allowed to spend time with Gentiles? Anyone? Anyone? I know you guys read the Bible sometimes. <coughs> Anyone? Why? Just guess. Faith? Religion. Yes. Gentiles were pagans. They, pagans meaning they didn't believe in God. They didn't believe in Yahweh. So he was protecting them. It had nothing to do with race. A lot of theologians actually believe that Moses married a black woman. Everyone's <laughs> was like, really? <laughs> no way. In fact, Moses' sister, right, was critical of Moses' wife and got struck her with leprosy messed up, right? God was like, I like her. What you going to say about her? <laughs> oh, I don't like her. Smite it. You know, like, I smite you. <laughs> She's like, my nose, it fell off. I just messed up. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't because of race. It wasn't skin color that they were divided. It was because of faith, religion. You didn't hang out with those people. Like, for instance, if you guys all decided, you know what, I'm going to go hang out with potheads all day. I'd be like, hmm, maybe not a good idea. Why? Because I don't want you to be a pothead. Right? What if you had friends that looked at porn all day long? They just love porn. They collected porn. And you're like, hey, I, I just found this new friend. He's my best friend now. And well, what does he like to do? Oh, he looks at porn. I'd be like, hmm, maybe you should choose a different friend. Buckaroo. <laughs> and it's not me being mean. Like that person has no value. The person has value. It's just the problem is you don't want to be drawn away from God. You get what I'm saying? 
So when, Paul, when Peter is talking to all these black dudes or Gentiles, right, he's like, they're not really black, so don't, don't be like, hey, my pastor told me that. <laughs> it wasn't really black. And Peter's not white. He's Jewish. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's, um, he would look more um, Middle Eastern, right? So when he's going around and, and God reveals to them that the Gentiles are not unclean, he starts to have this epic mind switch. It starts to change everything. And get this. Peter starts to preach. He starts to share the gospel with these Gentiles, okay? And it says, this is Acts 10.44, if you look that up. It says, while Peter was st- still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who had heard the word. And the believers from the, among the circumcised, the Jews, who had come with Peter, were amazed. Amazed. Why? Because the Gentiles were not supposed to be receiving the Holy Spirit. This is the deal. Gentiles should not be following Jesus, according to the Jewish mind. Why? Because we're not Jewish. You get it? We're not Jewish. And all of a sudden, God, the Holy Spirit comes down. Peter's not even done sharing his message. He has three points. He's like, point one, okay, this is what you need to do to save. Point one and a half. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes down. And everyone's like, no, 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 speaking in tongues. And he's like, oh, my gosh. All the Jews are like, Peter, what did you do, <laughs> right? Because everyone's like starting to flip out because the Holy Spirit is moving amongst them. And then all of a sudden, the Jews are like, wait a minute. Gentiles can become followers of Jesus, too? And there's this epic mind switch. And then Paul starts to speak. He says in Galatians 3.28, he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. So there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's no slave nor free. There's no male and female for you all one in Christ. That's powerful stuff, man. You, you deal with sexism because sexism is still alive. Women are not getting paid the way men get paid. They treat women differently. If you're, if you're black and a woman, dating websites, I was listening to this podcast about the problems with dating websites, is that they, black women are not getting dates because of racism. Do you know who else is not getting dates? This is kind of sad. Asian men. All the Asian women, they want white men. It's not cool, man. Not for me. I'm married. I'm good. I'm good. But for all you guys, if you like, get into the age where you like want to date, right? Right? Just give a brother a chance, you know? Like, <laughs> help them out, you know? Date black women and date Asian men. That's it. It's good. All right? I mean, if you're the opposite sex. But you get what I'm saying? It's weird. But there's no longer Jew nor Gentile, nor Jew, Jew, nor Greek, no slave, nor free, no male or female. We are all one. There's no longer race that separates us. There's no longer this dehumanization. Now, this is why I said it's idolatry. This is really, really important. When you dehumanize another race, you take what God has created and the design for what God has created. What is God's design for us? That we would what? No. that we'd be saved. That's God's design, that we would worship him forever. Right? And I keep bringing this passage up, but God desires that none should perish, right? But all receive everlasting life through Christ Jesus. So that's our design. And when we dehumanize another race and say, race and say, (laughs) when we say, you know what? Those people are lesser, or I'm treating them differently. What are we doing? We're taking the value that God has innately put into them, them in their hearts, right? And we're saying, no, that doesn't exist. My race is more higher than the value that you placed in that race, which is idolatry. 
You're putting yourself, your race, higher than God and with God's plan and God's design. Racism does not fit in the church. I think our picture, uh, I, go to, uh, I went to CIU, Columbia International University, and you know what they all want to talk to me about? How we're doing this thing in our church. Because multicultural churches are really, really hard. They're not working because everyone is fighting and like, they don't get along and they're not coming because it's just uncomfortable because all of you guys are so different. And then they, they hear about our church and they're like, tell us what's going on in your church. Why you have so many different races and different colors and different ethnic groups and different whatever, so-and-so. What are you doing differently? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. I don't, we're not doing anything different. Our special, this is just what's happening. You look in this audience, like look around you. There's black people in our audience. There's Chinese people, right? Taiwanese, they're different than Chinese, right? Koreans, half, mixed, right? White people, right? Hispanics, right? Ezekiel, <laughs> right? There's tons. And I think it's because we're not harping on the idea, right, that there is race. I mean, obviously there's race, but that's not the focal point of what we do here. I think multicultural churches, oftentimes, they focus so much on race and so much on culture. I'm starting to think that we just need to do away with all of that stuff and focus on Jesus culture, create a new culture, in which case where we know each other relationally, we actually become closer and we start breaking down racial ba uh, boundaries. That's just not happening in most churches. We all pretend, and I've been harping on this a lot, but we pretend to do church a lot. We are one family, are we? We are not racist, are we? Are we just hypocrites? Are we, are we bigots? Secretly in our hearts? Do we really take the gospel for what it says? Do we really read the Bible and try to apply it every single day of my life? Am I going to go to school and am I going to treat the, treat the Muslim kid differently because they blew up a beach in Tunisia? And you start to become afraid. These are the thoughts and the, 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 the things that you have to think about. I'm calling you guys higher. I'm calling you guys higher because I sincerely believe I see you guys on mission trips. I see you on retreats. I see you here. I see what God is doing in your life. When you come and have conversations with me, I know that the Holy Spirit is working you, and I'm not okay with you staying the same, being like everybody else in the world. I want us to be in this room world changers, like literally world changers, because there is a moment right now where we have to do something. We can't sit here and pretend like everything's okay when it's not. We cannot. The LGBT community right now is celebrating. And there are churches out there that are gearing up for war against the LGBT community. How in, how in the world does that show God's love for them? Right? There is racism and we don't want to deal with it. We don't bring it up. Yet our churches are homogenous. They're one group of people. White churches are white churches. Black churches are black churches. And no one's talking to one another. And yet here we have this multicultural church. Are we doing the same thing? Except here? Maybe we just hang out with our friends that we're really comfortable with? We need to get beyond it. We need to do something. Now this is the great thing, right? This is the great thing. Is that God does not use professionals to change the world. You might think so. Steve Jobs or whatever, you know. But that's only skin deep. You know what happens when um, the iPhone becomes extinct? Nothing. Maybe it changed society a little bit. But it's talking about eternity, souls in heaven for everlasting life? Forever? No, 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 that doesn't change. 
Steve Jobs did not change spiritual, the spiritual atmosphere of the world, but you can. And God doesn't use professional people to do it. He uses a lot of dysfunctional people like you guys to do it. You want to change racism? Do it. How do you do it? Really simple. Break down stereotypes to relationships. You have a problem with Muslims? You're afraid of Muslims? Become friends with Muslims. Now, that's not racism, but it's prejudice. Have, make friends with Muslims. You have a problem with black people? Make friends with black people. Hang out, hang out with them constantly. Do everything you can. Just hang out with them. Break down stereotypes to relationships because all of a sudden, if you guys know somebody that's a, of another race, you begin to realize that all the stereotypes are wrong. For me, like, people have a hard time dealing with me. Like, I went to CIU and I had this one kid who just stared at me all, all, all throughout class. He did it for the entire semester. And then at the very end, he came up and he said, you know, Howard, I just had a, and he said this in front of the class, I don't know why, but he said, I have a hard time figuring you out because you like to hunt, you have facial hair, um, you had uh, costas, right, for fishing, and you're like, the, the, and you're, you're Asian. I'm like, well, I thank you, I can be a service. I'm glad I could be a service to you. Breaking down stereotypes, because we're not all the same, right? Other people think I'm Hawaiian. Gently correct your friends and family when they make, uh, make offensive remarks. Can you guys do that? Gently, like, you racist? No, just be like, hey, man, that's not cool. They make racist remarks, right? Encourage your family. I know this is crazy. Me and my uncle almost got in like a fist fight because he was racist. And we worked in the ghetto and we had this uh, Chinese restaurant and um, he was being racist to the customers. I'm like, what's the matter with you? And we started arguing. I started talking about Jesus. I wasn't even a Christian, but I was like, Jesus would never do the. <laughs> I don't know why. I just, I just always talked about Jesus, even when I wasn't a Christian. Um, and, and like we got in an argument. And then he eventually like, started liking this black girl. <laughs> so, so he's young. He was really young. We, we were close in age. But talk to your family about racism. If they make racist comments, ask them about it. Like, hey, you know, when your dad says, well, you can marry anybody, but you can't marry so this, 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 this race. You only marry Korean. Like, hey, Appa, why do you think that? Because we're the best. <laughs> oh, why do you think that? Do you think the Bible says that? You know? And they'll be like, you know, uh-huh. Number three, dethrone your own race. Racism is idolatry. Dethrone it. Take it off. Uh, a lot of us worship our own race. Uh, America. Dethrone it, man. If you care more about the American flag than the Bible, you got problems. That's idolatry, man. I don't get offended when people insult America because I am Christian first. Not my race. Right? And then uh, pray for peace. The only way people are going to change from their hearts from being racist to not being racist is, I think, through Christ. I think, I think media has done a lot in helping people become less racist, less racist, but in their heart of hearts, they, instead of having an overt outward racism, they have an inward racism that they hide. And they just have these thoughts against other people's. Right? The reason I, I say this is because I've had that before in my heart. I thought I wasn't racist, but then things would come to light and the feelings that I would have and the stereotypes I have, and it's hard. But it doesn't mean I can stay this way. I can't, I can't just allow myself to be this way, right? So do it. Battle, man, especially in this church. Our church is going to have a really hard time when a bunch of black people come in here and a bunch of LGBT people come in here. <laughs> man, this is going to be exciting. A bunch of Latinos coming here, a bunch of white people coming in here. Like, I think, I think maybe the church might be concerned already. Right? Because it's not like, how many, how many of you guys here, your parents go to our church? 
So about half, maybe less than half. I love it. <laughs> I love it because that means you guys aren't from just our church. You didn't grow up here. You didn't force to be in this youth group. You didn't come here because you had to because your parents made you. Right? Be courageous. I'm going to pray for you guys, and I'm praying for myself too because, I, um, again, I don't, I don't want to live my life um, letting everything pass me by when God has put us on earth at this time for, for a purpose. Look at what you guys can do in your schools. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for every single person that's hearing my voice. God, I thank you that inside every single one of us, Lord, you have your spirit and that you desire for us to know you deeply in such a way that it would compel others to know you deeply, God. And when we know you deeply, Lord, we are filled with courage and strength and power, not for our own sake, but to actually go and bring your glory to our communities and the broken hearts, the racism. Lord, I, help, I just pray that you help those that have unforgiveness in their hearts towards other races because of racism in the beginning, when they, when they were younger. God, that you give them the strength to forgive, empower them to do that, Lord, to be the voice in their schools, to be passionate advocates for those that are weaker. I just thank you for everybody in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, share a time when you experience racism and... Uh, this might be hard, so be gracious to one another if you guys hear each other's stories. This is not a time to get angry, okay? Number two, how have you handled personal racist thoughts of those, of those, or of those around you? So what are you doing about the racism around you? What would you do differently now after hearing this message? And then uh, pray for one another. And if you have someone in your group that really is, uh, has a hard time with racism, like just not like that they're racist, but they've been uh, made fun of growing up and they're just really bitter, pray, pray for them. Help them to uh, know that they're not alone, right? Um, this could be really uncomfortable because I think that, especially, you know, if you have mixed races in there. But this is important. Start the conversation. Yeah? Um, next week, we're going to be talking about LGBT. Um, you can bring your friends if they're supportive of LGBT if you want to. Um, they might hate me, which is fine. Um, but I'm going to try to do it in a really balanced way. But oftentimes, if you, if you hear somebody's opinion and it's not your opinion, um, then you automatically put them in the extreme group, right? Oh, you're just like Westboro Baptist Church. Hopefully they won't think that, but, you know. So it's up to you. Bring your LGBT friends. Um, uh, Jem is actually going to be a, doing a diversity seminar uh, afterwards, so there'll be no small groups. Um, Jem's going to do a d diversity seminar. Jem, you, can you give us a little bit of a... Um, uh, uh, excerpt of what it would be like, or not excerpt, but like um, example of what it's like? So it's more like a workshop than a seminar, so we'll be doing an activity or two, um, <coughs> just thinking about racism, sexism, all of the isms, and you might not have heard of all of the isms, but you'll learn about them, we'll learn about some terms that are important nowadays, um, so that you're well informed, and when you make your own opinions and you not criticize, but like think about how written messages you can kind of think about on your own um, instead of just adopting hate view or the views of your friends. Cool. See you there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, closing prayer. It's next week, yeah.